This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Inhumans, episodes 7 and 8. If I die, all of Adelan dies with me. I enacted a measure that will destroy our protective dome. After that happens, it'll only be a few seconds until we're all turned into space debris. And since I'm the only one who knows how to keep this from happening, it might be wise to keep me alive. Or not. (laughs) It's your choice. (laughs) Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that's evacuating the moon. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? As happens with a lot of times when we finish the show, finish a show i have no a sort this is of, it this is the last episode yeah finish. i i just there's a sort of bittersweet feeling to it because i mean this is not a good show but i was like oh it's over and this one especially seems like it was over before it began mostly because nothing happened yeah i mean i, I was thinking about like how many times i think probably the last one of these records we did we just kept calling it like an extended pilot and by the end of these final two episodes it does feel like it's like oh now the story's finally gonna begin (laughs) yeah i mean we'll obviously get into it but it really is like all right and go now that you've done eight eight episodes now it's time to start the series (laughs) yeah it it definitely feels that way it is uh, truly one of the strangest first seasons Mm -hmm. i've ever watched anyway so since this is the final episode um i couldn't help but think further about i'm just like I don't understand Inhumans and I uh, how it if it fits into like the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like that was something I was asking Steve and we couldn't figure that out. So I found a half an hour video mm-hmm. that breaks down the like in show timeline, like of where all the movies fall within oh, the really? timeline. And I so I was able to go in there and Inhumans indeed is canon. Uh, it, I guess it takes place sometime just a little bit after Black Panther and Doctor Strange, but before Ragnarok. But it's really only in there because there's some references to it. I think in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they talk about, um, I guess, after the Age of Ultron and that Sokova nation exploding or whatever, there's a Sokovia Accord, which puts into place the Inhuman Registration Act. So this is this is as much as the humans managed mm. to get in there. They were like setting up very much an X-Men style right. uh, registration act, which is probably where the show would have gone. So technically speaking... In the MCU, the threads were weaved in. Black Bolt was there. He could have been running around with Captain America. Right. Thor and uh, Crystal could have kissed. They, they, could have been, <laughs> they could have been running around, but in their much, much cheaper costumes. <laughs> There's this thing. I like to think of the humans as the Care Bear cousins. Yeah. They're just like, they're not the Care Bears, but, you know, they're there. Yeah. They're hanging out. I, I feel bad because I think, I think the show really plays up the derivativeness of them and the unoriginality that you'll see in a lot of comic characters you know you start going through and you realize how many characters are just ripoffs of other characters intentionally or otherwise and i think this show did a disservice to these characters by really giving very little effort to try to make them three-dimensional and interesting in any way right 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 i mean i don't think they really did that work to make it happen so it was uh they were just paper characters that they then attempted to like 
And I put lipstick on top. <laughs> well, I, th- I think it was just like, it's Marvel. You guys will watch anything, right? Here we go. And it's <laughs> like, no, 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 not everyone will watch anything. I mean, I think that has been Marvel's experience on television. That uh, It's been tougher than they realized yeah. when they thought they had the world sewn up. Not like DC, though. They got a million shows and people love them, apparently. <laughs> Who knew? All right, Jordan. Before we get into it, we're going to do something that you love to do. I do, yeah. Typically, when we watch a show, we, we think about recasting it for the modern age. But when a show's this new, and we've done it once before, we've precast it, uh, mm. a very dumb term I came up with, in which uh, we're going to take the Inhumans, we're going to move them back in time, and we're going to cast it as if it was a movie from, uh, I, believe you, I believe you suggested 1965. Yeah, 1965, which was when they first made their appearance. So they've made an appearance in Marvel Comics. It was in Fantastic Four. People are excited. Marvel Comics goes, we need to make a movie. And it's 1965. The Beatles are on the <laughs> on the charts. People are, I don't know, jitterbugging. What else is going on in 1965? <laughs> Lots of stuff. Anyways, uh, in 1965, and then the Inhumans movie comes out. So let's recast it. All right, let's recast it. We'll start with Black Bolt, obviously our uh, silent leader. Who, who did you have on your list for Black Bolt? I only have one for each of these. So, As with all, I always have two. So I have two that are a little bit similar, but a little bit different. All right. Why don't you go one? I'll go. You okay. go. First one, Mr. Paul Newman. Okay. Okay. Very charismatic actor. Great looking face. I think he could do a lot with not speaking. Right. What's Paul Newman in these, around this time? Um, I think he, he had either just done cool hand luke or he was just about to i think that was actually 67 okay so he's he's still pretty young i think he's in late 20s at this point and he hasn't done you know he's in or the sting or anything like that mine i went with sean connery oh you know i never even thought of sean connery well in 1965 he's doing thunderball i'm like sean connery you're a real leading man right now i feel like if you're gonna get someone who's gonna mug it up i feel like sean connery's face is a lot of uh just a lot of expression potential yeah i'm trying to think now i just never thought sean connery yeah it's not bad not all right bad. do you know he was still wearing a toupee at that time really yeah even in the early james bond it was still a toupee well i mean not everyone is blessed with the head of hair that you have yeah oh yeah it's just it's just flowing it's just flowing down my second pick it's very similar along the veins of paul newman um another actor who's really just about looking at their face and it's steve mcqueen oh yeah oh yeah and he was really in his heyday at this point. In nineteen mid to the nineteen sixties, like that's that's gold mine at the box office. You know what? I think Steve McQueen's the way to go. I don't know why, but I do feel like he's he's a big enough star at the time. And something about he's got a real all American face that I think uh would uh, would work. Although the best part about Sean Connery not having to talk is you would never know he's an uh, Irishman. <laughs> Scottish. Oh whatever. Scottish. Uh, okay, so we're going with Steve McQueen. So I guess we'll move on to Medusa. Absolutely. Who's going to be the leading lady to go on the poster? You Who's going to get a wig that a bunch of strings are going to pull up and down in the air and they're going to flop around on screen? Well, it's funny you said that. So what I did for my first pick was a redhead. So we don't have to do all this nonsense, which is one of my favorites, Anne-Margaret. Anne-Margaret. Yeah. I mean, I'm still tying uh, fish wire to her hair. To her hair. And, and then on pulley, so it dances around. That's how the effect's happening. But Anne-Margaret, good choice. Good choice. Um, once again, I kind of looked at what what's what's popping in 1965 who's who's hot out there 
And uh, you know what's hot in 1965? What's that? Sound of Music and Julie Andrews. You know what's funny? I also thought of Julie Andrews, and I went, I just don't know. But I, but it was, it was in one of the the one of the people I was thinking of too. Yeah, Julie Andrews. She'd have to have really long red hair. I mean, anyone who's doing this is going to end up in a wig. It's in, it's inevitable. So let me give you my third person, and then we'll go through it. All right. My third person is sort of, I think, kind of sadly a forgotten actor at this point because of her untimely demise. But it's Natalie Wood. Oh, interesting. You know, I am not very familiar with her uh, with her resume. Well, let's see what she... Just before this, she'd done West Side Story. Okay. Uh, what else should she be doing at this time? Bob Carroll, Ted and Alice. She was doing that around this time. The Candidate. That was a little after. What do you think? Well, it's a good question. I, I think, unfortunately, uh, knowing the future as we do for Natalie Wood, there's not she's not going to have a lot of cons in her future. So we need someone who's going to go to cons for the next 45 years. <laughs> well, that's, that's terrible. So unfortunately, um, Natalie Wood's out. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I guess it's it's really... Wh- what are you going for? Now, because... The Anne Margaret and Julie Andrews are very different. They are very different. And it's going to take this movie in a very different direction. Do you want a sexy Medusa? Me? Yes, I do. But I don't know what you want. I'm I'm willing to go for... Uh, I'll go for Anne Margaret. I think you I think you know the taste of 1965 better than I do. <laughs> and weirdly, now we have the top two billing of The Cincinnati Kid, which is a movie in the 1960s. We beat it. We beat it to the punch. Yeah, we're, I think it was like 66 or so. We're going to beat it to the punch. All right, you want to talk about Karnak? Yeah. I got two people. I went with a little different direction. First is Mr. Omar Sharif. Okay. I don't... Great looking face. I don't hate it. Interesting kind of look to him. Uh, not a lot of actors kind of had that kind of presence. I think he's a he was a really interesting actor. I um, I had trouble with this one. I wasn't really sure. So as I was digging through movies from 1965, mm-hmm. I kind of ended up on uh, Alec Guinness. Oh, wow. That's an interesting choice. You know, he's a little more, it's probably more of a cerebral than a fighty Karnak, mm-hmm. but that's that's where I landed. Okay, Alec Guinness. What, what do you think he did in 1965? Would he, when did he do um, uh, The Bridge of River Kwai? I'm not sure, but there was Dr. Zhivago. Oh, Dr. Zhivago. Yeah, good movie. My third my third pick, my second pick, and then we'll see what works, Sidney Poitier. Oh, yeah. I, now, I just think he'd make an interesting Karnak, but... I don't know now even listening this this movie makes sense for him. He may be too big for this role. I do I do feel like I feel like he's just going to say no. I think he's going to get the his agent's going to call him he's going to be like get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think on second thought he's just too big for the role. Uh, yeah. So Maybe if we think? offer him director. Yeah, he's going to direct it. Maybe if we offer him director he'll come around. No, but we'll I, think, see. I think we'll go with Omar Sharif. I think okay. that's the way to go. Okay. I think that's a good pick. We're, we're, now, we're getting into the weeds now. Gorgon? Let's do Gorgon. I picked two tough guys for this. All right. My first tough guy, Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson passed by my list as well. Yeah. I mean, again, it's going to be a very different Gorgon. It's going to be a Gorgon that doesn't say a lot. He's going to squint at people. Very sweaty. <laughs> sure he'll be sweaty. Um, but, I mean, he's just going to be the coolest guy. All right. Well, I picked... The star of the agony and the ecstasy, Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson. Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. Hmm. How old was Charlton Heston at this time? He you is, think? Uh, he's. I'm going to put him in his mid 30s. Mid 30s. He's like at his most handsome. Probably his most like you know that kind of yeah yeah 60s pumped. Not like mm-hmm. not not jacked like you are today, but like very muscular. It's funny. My my next pick is is in a similar vein, which is. 
<laughs> it's one of these guys who always looked about 39 years old. Okay. Like, no, no matter when. It's like you see a movie and he's 20 years old and you're like, how old is he, 40? Um, and it's James Coburn. Oh, he passed my list too. Yeah. There there were a few guys and you're right. They all fall into that category of who's going to become a 1970s like sleazy action star. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I have an opinion, but I want to see what you say. I think any of them could really work. I, I, whatever you, what do you think? And this one, I actually think Charlton Heston's the right call. I think he's a bit taller. I think you put him in those uh, uh, hooves. He's going to look great. Oh, he's going to have the hooves on? Oh, yeah. He's, you're going to have some fake hooves on. And he's going to be shirtless. Let's do it. Let's and, do it. And he's kind of got that hairy upper mm-hmm. body. Like I, I think if you think about him in Planet of the Apes without that shirt on, but you just yeah. put hooves on him, there's your well, gorgon. Let's do it. Charlton Heston. All right. He looks at the camera and he says, you can get these hooves from my cold, <laughs> dead feet. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Um, great. All those movies and what he's known for is his uh, uh, ridiculous comment about guns. I mean, uh, sometimes I think that Clint Eastwood's going to be remembered for that time he talked to a chair. chair yeah. You want to do Crystal next? Yeah. Now, I'm going to give you two picks. My first one I'm going to throw it just because I think she was a popular actress at the time and sort of fits that like blonde, not blonde bimbo, but blonde sort of person who's supposed she's there mostly just to look nice and but i don't think she's right for the role but i'll say her anyways ursula andrus okay but i get i don't even think she's i think it, it's too much i think it's like too far that one yeah it's too much va va voom in the background i mean you already got Anne margaret that's right we can't we can't out, we can't cast Anne margaret as her lead and then bring someone in to outshine her. yeah so let me just throw that out and i'll just say another pick who you may not be as familiar with because she didn't really pop off the screen for many years but it was an actress i thought was pretty good which was tuesday weld i have no idea who that is yeah anyways i could i'll pull, I'll pull up a picture for you so you know who she, what she looks like great i in my in continuing down my list of what was popular at, at the cinema in 1965 i am going to go with uh cat baloo herself jane fonda wow let's go with jane fonda you think so yeah yeah let's do it a young jane fonda She's incredibly young at this period of time. I, I looked, she, had, she must be in like early 20s. Yeah, like yeah. I was looking at the poster for I've Never Seen Cat Blue either. I have no idea. It's some sort of Western, but I'm just like, whoa, such a young Jane Fonda. This already, this is some movie. Now we've got to do Maximus. Yeah. Our villain. All right. Who do you have for your first pick? First pick is, is someone who's going to really bring some gravitas to the role. There's going to be a lot of soliloquies. There's going to be a lot of uh, posturing. There's going to be a lot of pointing and talking down. Richard Harris. Oh, yeah. Okay. Different, right? Yeah. He's still bald, right? In this period of time? No, no, no. He's got hair. Oh, interesting. I can't picture anyone from this period of time. <laughs> Richard Harris was another. He kind of looked the same. He looked pretty much the same. Like, he just always had a face that looked like. And you know what? I'm thinking of Ed Harris. <laughs> oh, you're thinking of Ed Harris. No, no, no. Richard Harris. Richard Harris kind of had, still had kind of like fluffy hair by the end of his life but I, I, richard I, harris I, I would need to see a photo um, <laughs> i'll pull it up too all right my pick james brolin okay i this was a t- i struggled with this one i just could not figure out he was in a movie in 1965 called uh von ryan's express no idea what that is either that's a young richard harris okay okay he's not bad actually okay so brolin maybe i'm gonna i'm gonna throw us in a completely different direction all right and this might be a st- scene stealer. And I'm I the weird thing is I actually don't know how to pronounce his last name. An actor I've always liked, but I I'm gonna try it both ways for whoever's or knows better. But it's Eli Wallach. Eli Wallach. 
most likely, most people probably would know mostly from Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Jordan just staring at my blank face as I try to imagine what this man might look like. You, you, you'd know him definitely. Many, many actors. He acted till he was like in his late nineties. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Great villain, uh, great actor. Was in dozens and dozens and dozens of movies, and just was always that character who just loved to hate. Right, thought, right, right. Why not? Uh, I mean, you make a good point. I think Richard Harris is the way to go, though. I think like that's right. got that Shakespearean, like he's gonna bring a little. Uh, he's gonna be. He's gonna be doing a lot of talking, right? Just Steve McQueen, scenes. who's just gonna stare at him blankly. I mean, that's Black Bolt. That's Black <laughs> yeah. Bolt, baby. So are we going to talk about who's directing this? Sure. I honestly have no idea. Okay. Well, I have two ideas. And th- you pick the kind of movie you want. It's going to be based on one of these two directors. So are we going real hard 60s, intense, really something special drama? Because then we're going with John Huston. Okay. Or we're going to focus on the light superhero fun time and we're going richard lester what has richard lester done richard lester was mostly known sadly by the second half of his career by doing superman two and three (laughs) (laughs) but he did he directed a lot of other things but he had a very like light touch to him i don't i here's what i say i don't think we can do that to the inhuman fans again i don't think we can give them a superman three no so he had just come off a hard day's night though in 1964 no I I still think I still think we go all the way. We're gonna go John Huston. I think this go. is gonna be a real gritty 1960-65 movie. I think that's I think that's what we have to do. So can you do a rundown of who we got? All right, we've got Stephen Queen as Black Bolt, Anne Margaret as Medusa, Omar Sharif as Karnak, Charlton Heston as Gorgon, Jane Fonda as Crystal, Richard Harris as Maximus, directed by John Huston. What a movie! And you'll never guess, Jordan. What's Lu- that? Louise is in it too. Oh, Louise is in it. Oh no, I didn't pick who Louise is. Who who do you who are we putting in? Uh, Angela Lansbury is playing <laughs> Louise. <laughs> that's no, that's great. That's you know. There's another person. I remember watching. It was something. It was an old western or something. And I was like, that woman is so familiar. Who is it? It's Angela Lansbury. She's been acting forever. She has been acting forever. Oh, and look over there, Jordan. It's oh, Dave. No. <laughs> Dave's here too. Do you remember Dave? <laughs> no, who's Dave? Dave's the uh, gentleman who runs the horse ranch and oh. uh, wants the Mac on uh, Old Crystal. Who's playing that? A young Robert Redford? Elvis Presley. Oh, that's amazing. That's it's, that's amazing. Perfect. Now, is Elvis going to take this cameo role? Because this is a stunt stunt casting here. I think when John Houston gives him the call. Right. He takes it. He takes it. He's like he's in the middle of doing one of these sixty-three beach movies, and he's like, "Yes, anything, anything to get me out of these." I saw him. He has like at least two movies in nineteen sixty-five that are beach movies, and I was just like, "How can I get Elvis Presley in this movie?" <laughs> he's like, "We need you for one scene, Elvis. All you're gonna do is teach this girl how to give high five. <laughs> no problem. We'll do a little yeah. hip gyrate. Mm-hmm. Be great. All right. Well, this is a movie. What a movie." What, 1965? Look out. Well, this And this is much better. Even if it was a terrible script, this would be a better than the show we watched. It, you know what? People would still be talking about it. Yeah, that's for sure. they definitely would. Do you remember that Steve McQueen and Anne Margaret Elvis movie? The John Huston <laughs> They were all superheroes on the moon? Yeah. That's great. I'd love to see that. All right. Let's, let's, let's get into it, Jordan. All right. So episode seven, Havoc in the Hidden Land. Havoc in the Hidden Land. Here's the IMDb summary. The royal family returned to Adeline and come face-to-face with Maximus. That was courtesy of Ethan Lowe. Is that is that what happens in this episode? I guess they, they kind of... They, I mean, they do. They do come face-to-face. They, fr- they, they do the come face-to-face. They true. come face-to-face. It's, it's basically... And to be fair, true. not much else happens. No, I mean, we pick up basically where we left off. 
Gorgon is dead. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. And they and they Im- immediately they put like a little shroud on him. Yeah. Everyone's very pissed off. Uh Oren, the uh the Maximus's like lead henchman, she just gets her neck snapped because Karnak's not happy. And they have one of their um many conversations that they've had into this point where they're really trying to show not only a tension between the characters because they're in this stressful situation, but also that they have different views on things, mm-hmm. but it's handled so clumsily and so inarticulately that I don't even really know who I support and what their points are. It's true. I mean, this will be the big thing for Medusa in the next two episodes. She'll be really arguing to find a peaceful solution and just not lose their heads, basically. Whereas, like, Black Bolt and Karnak just want to lose their heads. But the thing is, Medusa will constantly be saying, like, arguing, I guess, for civility. But she argues. She, she's directed to basically scream all of her lines. So she seems unhinged with everything she says. Yeah. And, and, it, and it does pro- her no favors. I think there's that. And I think, all, as we said before, she's sort of saddled with a lot of the dialogue in this show. But but couple that with, I think the writers and the people making the show hadn't made the decision of who they agree with. No, because, 100%. Do you know what I mean? Like, they just, they're having these arguments, but it feels like it's an argument that no one really cares about who's winning. So it's like, is she right? I don't know. Who am I supposed to support here? Well, I mean, jumping way, way ahead. I think this is the next episode, but it's like such a throwaway moment where she finally is just like, I'm going to go talk to Maximus and talk him out of this. And they have a scene where she tries to talk him out of it. He says no. And then she's like, okay, bye. We can't do it. And I'm just like, so it did feel like we need someone to like try to mediate the situation, but to finish our plot, no one can mediate the situation. So they just made her have this for next two episodes being like, let's all have level heads but in a way where she's just yelling constantly like you can't tell when she translates for black bolt she does it in an authoritative like kingly way but then when she talks for herself she's talking in the exact same tone and like a voice so there's no it's hard to tell like what her emotions are at any given point and after seven hours or at this point six and some change i still don't know exactly what the relationship is with her and the other characters because they as you mentioned they save family constantly but when it seems convenient they're also the subjects of of Black Black Bolt Bolt and Medusa, Medusa. particularly Medusa yeah and so it's like and she seems like but which is not even would even be such a problem if that was her character fallback but they don't really push into that or lean into that enough you know if any of it was like consistent yeah or it was like leading to something it might work but it it, it just all for convenience right because they're not the point of this is not that she learns something about herself or that they learn something about themselves because again spoiler none of that's going to happen by the end of this no I, so all these conversations mean nothing they're literally just time wasters exactly basically what happens now is they decide crystal lockjaw they're going to transport all the prisoners up to the moon right to maximus they're going to say maximus let's have a parlay let's like talk about this and they say parlay a lot yeah this, this episode's all about parlay <laughs> it should be called parlay Par- parlay um but this is kind of the, their plans like we're gonna go up there we're gonna talk to him we've got dr declan who we know he wants to like he needs this guy to help with his second whatever transfiguration and let me just say they brought the character declan in this i like that actor oh he's good criminally underused and and they give him nothing to work with they bring this character in for a very minor subplot that again doesn't go anywhere and especially by the end of the season, it doesn't go anywhere. You could take that whole plot out. doesn't really matter. And it, it definitely wasn't super necessary. But but also, like, what's he there for? Like, they even bring him to the moon. It's like, for, for nothing. He's just around. <laughs> but you know who comes back this episode? That's true. 
his we, old. We all thought we were, he was dead. No, I definitely did not. No, think he was I dead. know they have they go on on and on about how we mourn for you. I'm like, no, you didn't. Yeah, I, no one thought you were dead. It's old uh, uh, Greenface. What's his name? Trident. Trident. And may I mention one thing about Trident? Did you notice something interesting about him? No. Trident does not have nipples. I did not notice that. Trident is shirtless for the first half of the episode where he comes back, and they have clearly matted his nipples because someone has decided trident wouldn't have nipples well, and know, i like the attention to that detail but not the attention to any other detail in the show he's he i i, I like him because he's actually got some stunt like he's clearly can do his own stunts and yes. he's like doing really well I, I guess he's in the new quentin tarantino that's movie right. as bruce lee yeah but yeah he he's great actually i, I was like oh where's this character been? oh that's what i mean they <laughs> they have a character who finally can actually do stuff that they've put to the side because almost he's maybe too exciting for the show how how does he arrive they go to a beach to meet him a secret plan that him and black bolt had to meet him which i just i just don't even know what the secret plan is but the, the, they just they're at a beach and then he starts kind of like surfacing sort of like um if you remember in jaws when they shoot the barrels into the shark right. and the barrels start kind of coming up and, and just skimming the water it's sort of like that but as unimpressive as you could possibly do it yeah he's a real aquaman he just like shoots out of the water but it just looks terrible well, and like why don't they just have him swim and do it fast forward or something or just like hire a real good swimmer. Yeah. Anyway, so he just comes back and he's like, hey, guys, I'm not dead. And they're like, hey, that was a part of a plan. And he's like, yep. Yep. And uh, <laughs> they're like, what What plan? And like, I don't know. Who cares? Yeah, that really is. It's like there was a plan and either I glazed over and stopped listening or it's so convoluted because they basically were like, we need him out of it and come back. And there's a secret plan. But Black Bull's not going to tell us about it. So the plan, don't worry I think about the it. plan was related to them finding humans who are becoming inhumans on Earth. But that's like all of it. Like it's not really a plan. It was just like a mission. I don't know what it is. Like it never really clicked into anything. And he also doesn't seem to be injured at all, by the way. No, he's fine. For all that blood that came out when he got shot. He healed. He's he's had weeks. Well, they, you know what they had? They shot his nipples right off. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Just a pop, pop. Anyway, it's time for the royal family to return to the moon. Or Black Bolt's secret royal bunker. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is a room that comes out. And... They go back to this bunker way more times than you would think. Like, like I would 20 times they go back to this bunker? I mean, that's basically their base of operations for the entire two episodes. Also, uh, apparently, first structure built on the moon. Yeah. Very important backstory for this bunker. Also, I, I still don't know what this city is supposed to look like. Is it stone? Is it metal? Is it What is it? Because it's all supposed to be made from the moon. And I just, it's the least evocative looking buildings and structure they could ever make. And I know... I think the idea was it's supposed to look like the moon. It just looks dumb. I like about the secret bunker is that uh, it's the first structure built on the moon. Not even Medusa has heard of it before. Yeah. Like, no, everyone's shocked to find this bunker. I guess it's like the implication is only the king gets told about it. Yeah. It's, for some uh, reason. It's like UFOs. The only the president gets to know. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's got a lot of canned goods and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, I believe at some point someone says it's got enough food and water to live in here indefinitely and i'm just mm -hmm. like well that's impossible <laughs> yeah anyway uh, let me ask you let's say you're stuck in a bunker there's a lot of food are you going to be really um like rationing yourself or are you going to go i don't know how long i'm in here i'm really going to go for it i'm having the zoodles and i'm having <laughs> i mean ravioli all in one night if there's enough food indefinitely I, i'm going to town you go to, you're open several cans i'm just, i'm eating them taking a little piece of one just <laughs> yeah. tossing one over there i'm not gonna care for that also we never did see a washroom in that bunker i mean there must be right we don't know the inhumans need to use the washroom yeah that's true that's true 
I mean, maybe one of the humans and he morphs into a toilet man. <laughs> oh, but that's the worst thing ever. He comes out of the Terragenesis and you are now a toilet. Oh, oh no. <laughs> anyway. Put, put me in the mines. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. No, you are going to be in the mines. You're the mine toilet. <laughs> no, the king's deck going to shine to you. <laughs> All right. Um, from the bunker, they head to their parlay. Where uh, Black Bolt, of course, via Medusa translating from perpetually. Yeah, she really is the errand to his Moses, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what a what a pull. Thanks. Uh, she she offers to Maximus uh, Dr. Deckland and his second terogenesis in exchange for him giving up the throne. Basically, she's like, we'll give you this man we dragged up from the surface who has no say in his own life because he is less than us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll get your second terogenesis and you just have to give up the throne. And Maximus is like, immediately is like, absolutely yeah sounds good. good deal he says great great uh dr declan walks across the courtyard stands next to maximus and maximus <laughs> is like deals off i tricked you and i'm like what i know it didn't i think the issue actually was in the staging of the scene of how everyone was positioned and how it was filmed is the problem because the whole thing is sort of like you know that push and pull that they both want this guy and once he gets him he betrays them but the way it's staged is as you said there may be five feet from each other so he walks over and he's like, he's mine now. And they go, oh, yeah, you f- you fooled us. We can't well, do anything they've, about and they've it. they've done it in front of the entire population of the moon. So it just feels like, well, you just destroyed all your credibility, Max. Yeah, it just, it just was so weird. And anyway, it just it's just another thing of like, they just didn't give any thought to anything. Yeah. And we go back to the bunker. And um, Karnak, thankfully, has been looking over Dr. Declan's research. Yeah. He's so smart. He's found the errors in his research, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Um, but what he has figured out is they, hey, guess what? There's a way to bring Gorgon back to life. I knew they were bringing Gorgon back. You knew they were bringing Gorgon back. I actually thought what it was going to be is when Trident came back, I thought they were going to find out that Trident has some sort of regenesis, regenerative powers. That's why he wasn't injured anymore. And they were going to take some of his DNA and do it. But... I forgot there's a Wolverine knockoff. Yeah, the Wolverine knockoff. Auron's kicking around. Uh, he has Black Bolt if he can, uh, you know, do a second Terragenesis on, on old Gorgon to try to bring him back to life. And Gorgon tells him about, I mean, via via Medusa, I'm sure. Anytime Black Bolt says anything, just imagine Medusa sitting next to him saying something. But yeah. Apparently- well, he acts like one of the characters from, like, the Stooges, angry after a pie's in their face. <clears throat> you know? Uh, apparently, if you... The the legend or myths say if you do a second terogenesis, you will be you will be inflicted with madness and addiction. Yeah, but uh, of course, no one's ever done it before, so how could anyone know? So uh, Karnak's kind of like, ah, screw that black bolt. And I was actually interested here because I think there was an interesting plot line that they could have went with, with which I think they sort of tried for, but then didn't want to commit to it. Which is, this is pet cemetery. Yeah, you, you could put the person in, you get them back, but they are not the person you want back. And I was like, look, that's a ripoff, but that's a that's a great that's that's a wonderful monkey's paw. You wanted something, but you lost something, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a not a not a terrible idea, but they don't really go for it. I mean, it's sort of there, it's sort of not. Uh, Karnak goes off; he needs to go find Oron, and uh, we get he he fights some guards here, and we get probably the best single shot of the entire series. Oh, is this? <laughs> I know what this is. It's when he kicks the laser. Maybe is this? I'm thinking of the part where he beats up one guy and then he does a flip through the air where the camera follows him yes. in a complete flip, and it was like the best shot. Like it looked exciting and amazing. But this is the scene when they're going, and then someone shoots a laser, and he jumps. Oh right, he does. And he, he kicks the laser back at the person. I was like, is that how that works? He much like he chopped a bullet in half. He does <laughs> kick a laser out of the air. Yeah. He kicks light itself. Now let me ask you. <laughs> 
Have you ever seen that before? I have never seen that. No. Karnak's powers are so ill-defined now <laughs> to me. He apparently can just do anything. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's as we we're going to keep uh, saying, I don't think anyone had the conversations about this. I think they didn't know what his power were or how her powers were supposed to be. So it's sometimes about figuring things out mathematically. Sometimes it's about chance. Sometimes it's he's able to slow down time because he can figure stuff. It's like, what is his power? It's all a little bit of the above, but apparently he can also kick lasers. He can just click. He can kick a beam of light out of the air. Yeah. That's how good he is. Um, but I, yes, I also like when he flips in the air and the camera follows mm-hmm. him. Anyway, this basically gets him to Oron and Oron's lost faith in Maximus because blah, blah, blah. He's selfish and she doesn't believe in him anymore. Yeah. She, she also is the worst like right-hand man ever right hand woman excuse me where she's just like she's super loyal to him and then just not and then kind of and then not they, and it's like they, they don't they don't have to convince her at well, all they just give him a scene where she's just like i thought we were doing this to save the people and he's like no we're doing it because that's me it's all about me it's the maximus show and she's like oh well maybe i don't like you anymore i know it's like but i'm like but he's been doing that the whole time i know I, my favorite part of that scene though was uh he's just like go wait outside and guard me and she's like clearly unhappy and he's she's like okay and he's like i'm like you must be able to read faces yeah <laughs> anyway she agrees to splice her DNA into Gorgon's corpse. And uh, here's the exact quote of how this is going to work. Your regeneration powers will adhere through the transfer process using nanogene technology. <laughs> yeah. But basically, they're just going to inject a bunch of her genes into Gorgon. They toss him into the old uh, telegenesis booth and uh, flip it on. Nothing happens. Yeah. Gorgon's just a corpse just, in a box. It just doesn't work. He's now in a glass coffin. Yeah. Standing up. Standing up. Uh, they, they Both of them hear some guards coming, so they uh, run away and leave his body in the, in the mm-hmm. booth. Sure. Why not? I mean, yes, we know about Oren's power, that it takes somewhere between 30 minutes and three hours to work, but let's give up yeah, after give 30 up. seconds. Anyway, Maximus is with Declan, meanwhile, and, and they're planning his second genesis. I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, there's a moment because he's been... Declan's been carrying a briefcase around with all his research in it. It's been a big plot yeah. point. Like, got to keep my briefcase full of my research yeah. in it. And they finally put it down and they like click open this briefcase. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it made me so sad. Like it was just a cheap, it like <laughs> they flip it open and everything's inside is loose. Yeah. Like I if know. you were carrying it, everything would have fell out of it. It's basically like, well, they're not test tubes. What would you call them? Like a series of tube containers with, samples in them but you're right they're sort of just loose they're so just if you put them in, on the side they'd all just fall out they've all just put them in like foam and like if you would turn it on its side even as it opens you see them have them jiggle out of their containers and you can just tell it's not it doesn't look like it's a refrigerated container it just looks like an normal briefcase but you can see as they open in the close-up someone like haze the inside of the briefcase and they just added like a hiss sound as they open it but like and i'm sure on another show this would have just swung by and it wouldn't have been a problem. But because the show is just so riddled with problems, like it just stood out like such a sore yeah. thumb to me. And it's like, ah. And what I also noticed is, so the, the whole point of this is he's basically, in his uh, briefcase is all of the DNA samples he's taken from apparently lots of mutants slash inhumans or people with special abilities. But you'd assume there'd be hundreds in there. But when they open it, it's also really empty. There's like maybe 12. There's like maybe 12 containers, but there's at least like 50 slots. So I was like, but Declan hasn't been very busy. Yeah, it is very funny. It's a, it, was it just doesn't a, look good at all. And I was just like, why did you put this cut it in? You didn't need to. You didn't have to. At any rate, though, what's going to happen now is Maximus is going to uh, 
insert a, a boutique variety of various inhuman genes <laughs> yeah, into yeah. him. We never find out which ones he selects, but he's basically going to splice a bunch of like really cool yeah, superpowers. Yeah, I, I think in. they just give a list. He's like, "There's this guy and this guy," and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, pick the best ones." Yeah, he's like, "I don't know, whatever." Uh, hooves. Yeah, <laughs> long neck. Oh, the old giraffe guy's back. <laughs> Remember me? And they head down to the booths for his second genogenesis and are very surprised to find Gorgon just sitting in one of those booths, his, his dead body. And it's at that moment that they, all the power goes out and there's an explosion in the distance. Black Bolt has basically been using Trident to start sabotaging, I guess, the mm-hmm. moon to like cause some delays for Maximus, yeah. some, some inconveniences. Um, so there's no time for second chair Genesis now, uh, but uh, Declan's going to wait here with uh, Gorgon's dead body and uh, what could possibly go wrong. And and I know there's another thing that's probably a budgetary issue, but for what is supposed to now be a militarized city with guards everywhere, it's people are just walking around randomly. There's never a sense of threat or that there's a heavy military presence at all. Like, they just like you, no. yes you see scenes of people getting it the guards getting attacked and stuff but it's like but there's also scenes where characters just like walk to main areas well this is what happens it's basically you know, unencumbered maximus walks off and he's got like six guards with him and he's just walking through a courtyard trident walks by just kills all six all of, of the them, guards yeah there's no other security at all he <laughs> knocks out old maximus just really beats the shit out of him oh but do you know do you remember his last how he his last uh, move on him no he's he's fighting with uh, maximus and he's and he's and it's clearly like one guy's an amazing fighter and one guy's not so he's just beating the hell out of maximus but then at the very end maximus getting to say something pithy so he does oh yeah. a f- backwards flip and while he's flipping backwards he kicks him in the face and it's like it's like a Mortal Kombat, like like finish him move. It's great. It yeah. is really good. This this actor. No, he's great. It's 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 so funny that they decided not to use him, and it really is like he's too good. We don't know what to do with him. It will stop all our horrible plot holes if we have this great character. And it's like no, no, he's he's the character. Every he's, scene with him is good. Any action with him is very watchable. Yeah. He knocks him out, drags Maximus back to Black Bolt. Black Bolt's like, is Black Bolt going to kill him? Is this the end of it all? And uh, Black Bolt surprises him, or Maximus surprises Black Bolt. He's installed a failsafe device on the Moon Dome. And if Maximus kill, or if Black Bolt kills him, Adelan will become space debris. Now, let me ask you about the Dome. This is when they really start talking about the Dome. And, well, you, and, and you do get shots of it. But how does the Dome work? I think it's... Some sort of... It's basically a force field. That's all it is. It's just a big force field. But the spoiler for later, when the dome starts failing, things start crumbling and falling apart. But I don't understand how that's connected because if the dome went away and there was pressure problems because of oxygen, I understand. But that's not really what we're seeing. We're seeing as if the integrity of the buildings are collapsing. But I I don't understand. I think they're imagining... The pressure is coming from outside of the dome. So when a section of the dome fails, a lot of pressure comes in and I knocks see. it over. I don't know if that makes sense in space, though. It just seemed like one of those things where, again, they were like, this is going to be the big setup for the episode. Maximus seems like he's defeated, but you can't kill him because if you kill him, the dome, dome goes. Great. But then it's like, but how does the how does that matter because we haven't even talked about is there oxygen pumping through this? We're assuming they can't. Breathe, I mean, that would know? be the easy thing to say is just like, I shut down a dome, all the oxygen's gone, everyone's dead. But they kind of build, they just are nebulous about like what yeah. happens. They're like, the pressure will, it's just like, it, they make it really complicated, but without ever actually explaining yeah. exactly and what I, And mean. I think that hurts it though, because you as a viewer are like, okay, what's, so Yeah, you're just never sure what the stakes are. You're not sure yeah. what the full threat is. But the, I mean, that's the end of the episode. 
Uh, <laughs> what an episode. Like, basically, it's all set up kind of to get us to, like, yeah. at least they're back on the moon. Things are moving forward, but it's all kind of set up to set up this final episode. Mm-hmm. And I will give it credit. This did feel least like things were moving again. It felt like after a lot of stutter stops, they at least were working towards something. Well, the family's finally back together. They're finally doing something, right? All right. You want to get into any summary for episode eight? Uh, Yeah. And finally, Black Bolt. Yeah. It's ellipses and finally Black Bolt. That's right. You've been waiting for so long. (laughs) We face an uncertain future, but we face it with hope. Not as a conquering army, but as friends who have come back to their birthplace after a very long time away. Here on Earth. The final showdown between Black Bolt and Maximus takes an unexpected turn. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, the whole that's, summary. That's it. You know what? There's no need for any more. Yeah. So here's how the failsafe works. Is what we learned at the top of the episode is if Maximus doesn't put his hand on a computer every half an hour, the dome collapses. Just cut off his hand. Yeah. I was like, I'm like, that is not a failsafe. Well, I know when they said that, I thought what his failsafe was going to be was somehow connected to his consciousness, his yeah, brain, him. or his heart, or something. Exactly. But, but it's like, no, it's his hand. It's like, yeah, there's an easy solution for those guys. I know. As soon as they said, I'm just like, this is not a great failsafe for you, Maximus. All Black Bolt needs to do is grab his hand, pull it away from his body, and then yell into his armpit. <laughs> and there you go. You've separated his arm. It's all yours. Got his free arm. They uh, they decide they're going to have to drag him through all the underground tunnels of the moon to get to the failsafe before like time runs out. Um, but... They also know now that the dome might collapse. It's time to give Medusa and Crystal a little task. <laughs> you guys have to plan evacuating the whole moon. Yeah. Do you remember how many people there were? There, I know how many people are on the moon. Oh, yeah. I remember they said, how many was it? It's 1,400. 1,400, that's right. There's still a lot of people that's to evacuate. People. It's not, I mean, that's no small feat. That's for sure. But they really just need to give Crystal to do something. They really have her under things for both. I mean, that's not true. Medusa has a little more to do this episode, but yeah. Crystal hasn't had anything to do in two episodes for yeah. sure. Well, and once after she had that high five with Dave, that was it. She, once she learned to high five, it's great. Yeah. Um, the other thing that kind of comes up here is uh, Maximus is kind of going on and on about it. I was like, you know, complaining about being the king, mm-hmm. Black Bolt, blah, blah, blah. I want to invade the earth, blah, blah. And Black Bolt out of nowhere suddenly like reveals there's some ill-defined cosmic threat that no one else knows about but him and it's going to like attack them all if they don't Mm -hmm. do something which which clearly is the setup for the new big bad guy next season i think what it is is it's a um uh, i believe the villains that the inhumans were always fighting where it was the scrolls and the i'm going to pronounce this wrong but i think it's the kree which are two other alien species that they're always fighting so it's one of those i believe is what they're hinting at but again why even mention this because it just it's not seated at all in a way that makes it interesting for the viewer well i mean that was the thing is he basically we get a couple of flashbacks where you even see him looking at old maps yeah. or like space maps not old maps but like holographic space maps but they really they should just they, they really tease us like there's something out there that black bolt only black bolt knows about and this is what his whole mission in life has been is to like protect the Inhumans and I guess indirectly Earth from whatever it is. But they could have done that from episode one. They could have had Black Bolt. The reason he is so tentative about something is because 
uh, he's had this big stress on him about this other thing, these other things he's doing in private. But it's like, but they just left it literally to the last episode. And I mean, I think that's it. If they had seated, he had something he needed to get back to do. Yeah. But even now, like even this last moment, I'm like, just tell me what it is. Like, don't wait. Just at least be like, it's it's the scrolls. And it could have even been a thing where he convinces Maximus, where Maximus has a turn. He's like, I know we've had our problems. I know you've hated me from the beginning. We need to team up. We have two different ways of doing things. We have this greater threat. We need to fight together. But it's like, they just don't do anything. I mean, yeah, he's still he's still like, I can't tell you anything about it. I'm like, oh, just tell me the viewer, I please. I just give me something. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of the last we basically hear mm-hmm. about it. It was just like, he suddenly abruptly announces, there's something bad in space. I'm like, yeah, what? and I think I think later on he talks to Medusa and she goes, "We've just traded one uh, bad villain for a worse one," and it's like, "Okay, who who just give me a hint?" And then they just leave it. Anything, anything. Anyway, um, for the big evacuation of the moon, uh, what happens? Crystal does what? What's um, her job? I think what she has to do is round everyone up and take them to that wall, the wall guy, right? Yeah, that she just basically has to go talk to Eldrick the wall man and be like hey can you let all these people through your wall and he's like i guess so sure <laughs> and that's it that's all crystal does and then medusa heads back to earth um she's she's also given all of the uh, uh crystals the uh, little tired genesis crystals yeah yeah she heads back to earth she meets up with her old friend louise but here here's the thing she's able to have uh uh what's his name iron claw what's that dog's name no lockjaw lockjaw <laughs> lockjaw is able to take them not only back to Hawaii, exactly right into her apartment. That's not even Hawaii, though, because she didn't live in Hawaii. Where does she live? California somewhere. Okay, so that's the thing. It's like, how do they know that's where she was? And then suddenly he now has the abilities to pinpoint exactly that well. Like, no, they're the same room. Yeah, she goes back to her office and she's like, here, here's all the Terragenesis crystals. I need you to just like look after these for a bit. And she's like, okay. Is, like, is this the scene though where Louise is like, can I come to the moon though? And she's like, no yeah she's like uh, it's pretty tough on the moon she's like well can you just bury my dad on the moon and his little ashes in this thing and he's like, like all right yeah i could do that that seems like the least, least i can do literally the least i can do yeah she also has another request of louise she's like hey louise we're all evacuating the moon we need safe haven here can you ask your boss to ask his boss to see if there's a place we can live <laughs> and this again much like this like space threat they go talk to her boss and he's like yeah I got to talk to my boss. I mean, he's into it or she, I'm not sure who we we're going to be real nebulous about who my boss is, but like he'll want or she'll want something from you, but I think we can set something up. But they really set up. I'm like, just who's this boss? Like, yeah. Why are you te- Why don't you just tell us the, the fun of the Marvel universe is you mention a character that people know and want to know more about. And then you introduce them later. Yeah. So the fact that they're teasing us, they're just like, Whoever my boss at Callisto Research is. Yeah, they didn't go like, um, yeah, well, like it just had to be a passing line. Like, Mr. Stark's really going to be interested in uh, seeing uh, what you guys can do. And you'd be like, Iron Man's going to be in this? You don't even have to have Iron Man in it. Yeah, just have uh, John Favreau drop by. Like, there's, <laughs> there's lots of yeah. options. But there was a thing. There was another teaser that are like, not going to. It's like almost like we don't know who it's going to be. But we yeah. know it's going to be someone. Yeah. I, I did I did a quick Google on like Callisto and Marvel. I guess there is a superhero or villain named Callisto mm. who's had interactions with the Inhumans before and maybe lost her powers at some point and then got Inhuman back to her powers. So I'm wondering if maybe that like Callisto's the hint, but I just I was just like just just tell us who's in space. Just tell us who runs this research thing. I know we're not going to see them, but just 
give me, just give it to me. Why are you holding it, it, it back? Was at this point, I think in the episode, and I think we're all about halfway through where I realized I was like, oh, this show's almost over. This is, it's almost over and nothing has happened. Well, that's it. They're setting, they're, they're like, we're going to complete the basic setup of this show. And they're already starting to tease us with next season, but like so vaguely that I'm just yeah. like, like, they're just like, all right, this is almost over, you guys. But you can't wait till something cool happens. Yeah. Next season, we've got all these cool I know, things I know we've up. made you wait for eight hours, but don't worry. It's going to get better. And it's like, no, no, it won't. Next year. Next year, it'll no. get better. We'll finally we'll finally have something happen. Back on the moon, though, in that Terragenesis chamber, zombie Gorgon wakes up. Yeah. And what you're supposed to get from Gorgon is he's back, but something's not quite right. Yeah. He's, it's he's it's a little some, pet cemetery. You're it's right. It's a little pet cemetery. But it, they don't quite commit to it because he does a lot of like grunting and he clearly is, it's hard for him to understand what's happening. He's sort of mostly aggression. He's just um, smashing the shit out of that yeah, place. Yeah, he's just smashing stuff out. But but the <laughs> the actor's choice is just kind of to like tilt his head and look off into the distance a little bit. And that's like his, and I'm always like, is he angry or tired or what's happening? Do you know what this is like? What? Do you remember in Space Rangers? Where that uh, yes. alien guy got, who's like, whose whole character trait is he's full of rage. When he was knocked out, when he woke up, he just started trashing the police yeah, station. Yeah, very similar. Like that, like it's a kind of blind rage that is difficult to pinpoint why anything's happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he smashes up this place. He finds Doctor Declan hiding, and then he throws him across the room and kills him. Is Declan dead? I wondered the same thing too because I thought he was going to throw him and then eventually he was going to wake up. But we come back to Declan and he's laying with like blood all over his face. Yeah. And I was he, like, is, did you just kill this character that didn't get to do anything? Like they, he throws him through one of the Terragenesis yeah. booths and when you cut to him, he's not moving. There's blood like pouring out of his ears or something. And I I'm guess the like, lesson is don't do science. Don't do science. It's impossible. Yeah. You're just going to get killed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and some guards rush in and disable uh, old Gorgon and they, uh, yeah. they grab him and they, they, carry him off to what's called the the quiet, quiet room, room yeah which was i guess where they were holding black bolt so mm-hmm. he couldn't scream out of it and they toss him in there and uh karnak's already been caught but what do we learn about the 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 quiet room who designed and built the quiet room well karnak of course yeah why would you put him in a room that he designed because it's uh, it's unbreakable karnak built well, it he knows I love it's unbreakable. They, they really they do like a whole couple sentences and lines of dialogue of like i designed this thing it's perfect it's designed specifically to hold uh, black bolt it's impenetrable there's no way you can get out and then within three seconds gorgon just kicks his way through and the way they he like just just jumps and like smashes through the wall and he's like yeah i guess it uh it wasn't good for like vocal cords but it sure is fine for feet or something he's like well what? yeah i mean he says he's just like he apologizes to gorgon first he's like sorry i turned to a rage zombie by bringing you back to life yeah and gorgon that's the thing like gorgon constantly needs to be like reined in and like mm-hmm. reminded that they're family but yes, when when Gorgon finally like he just starts kicking the wall until it finally collapses, and he's just like, "I designed it to stop vocal feedback, not brute force." And that's Gorgon's specialty, brute force. But it, I I don't think that makes any sense because when we see what the vocals vocal stuff does, it's the equivalent of a I, physical attack. I think the idea is, and I don't know why I'm going to defend the show, but I'm going to don't defend it. I think the idea is. The way the sound waves bounce off the circular room, it doesn't catch on anything. I think that's the idea they're going for. I think that's the idea. I don't think it works. I'm willing. I'm willing to give them a pass on this one <laughs> thing for some reason. For some reason, I'm giving them a pass on this one thing. Um, but yes, they they kick their way out of the room, and uh, we cut back to Maximus, Black Bolt, and Trident as they navigate the tunnels of Adelan. 
on their way to put his hand on the sa- on this fail safe and uh Trident has to take off for a bit because there's like guards to murder. So he just leaves Black Bolt and Maximus together. And there are no guards, by the way, by the safe room. So when they break out, they there's just another, walk around. There, I mean, there's there's like seven guards in all of that. Yeah. But um, Black Bolt and Maximus are wandering around. And it's a kind of a fun scene where uh, Maximus is like, you're lost, aren't you? You've never been down in the tunnels, have you? And, it, and Black Bolt just like pouty. He's like, I don't know. Black Bolt grabs Maximus. He's going to punch him. And Maximus stops him. He's like, the big reveal. Maximus is like, I know how to read sign language. Yeah, so this was an odd question. <laughs> now, maybe you know better than me. I don't know if it's been that clear in this show. It's very clear that Medusa can read... Uh, Medusa always translates. Yes, and but they've sort of played with the idea that she's the only one who can kind of translate because when he talks to the other characters, it's been a lot of touching them. Maybe it's that he can imply something through his it, touch. Uh, that is confirmed this this episode. Okay. It's Because confir- at some point he touches Gorgon and presents a message to him. Black Bolt is psychic. Okay, so wouldn't you think, though, for proper communication, all of his close, immediate family... His brother, you think his little brother, his brother might like, have learned sign language? Sign language, yeah. And it's just like, it was one of those reveals, I was like, yeah, I assume you'd be able to speak to him. Like, you've never just had a casual conversation? Like, it was, a, in any of the last 35 years, you haven't had a conversation? It was a very funny reveal where Max is like, I can read your sign language, and Black Bolt is shocked. I'm just like... Also, but even like, just through being near you, he would have picked something up. That's the thing. A little bit. But also... What what does it matter? Is is it because he's upset because he's always been like trash talking him and fr- him and Medusa are always been like making snarky little comments and he's like it's like who cares if he can read sign language? Uh, you know what? I bet you they have been <laughs> knowing Medusa and Blackbolt. Yeah, for sure they were talking shit. Yeah, he's all embarrassed. Anyway, um, after this this astonishing revelation, uh, they bump into old uh, the old uh, crab arms and human you love so much. I do like that guy. Yeah, uh, old crab arms, and he uh, he basically manages to uh, get Maximus free, and Maximus uh, kind of runs off, and now Black Bolt doesn't have uh, the the person he needs anymore. Yeah, everyone's always running off into another gray hallway. Maximus wants to go do his Genesis again. Medusa stolen all the crystals, so that's out of the question. He tracks down old psychic kid, grabs a psychic kid, who's like, "Hey, tell me who's gonna win the battle for the moon." And he like makes the kid have a vision. And the kid just like gives him a real monkey paw reading, where he's just like, "Well, Maximus, you'll be the undisputed king of the moon, and there'll be no more Black Bolt here." And I'm just like, "All right, there's no way that's not uh, not an ironic twist yeah. of, of fate." Uh, how, how did you feel of uh, all the episodes? This actually has psychic kids in. I think every episode. I don't know if it really matters that he has a psychic ability or not. Like, I get the idea is Maximus really wants him to justify all of his actions by saying, like, sort of, it's predestined that these things are going to happen, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, they just didn't use him as a character. Like, either the psychic abilities could have been helpful, or he could have been a confidant of Maximus, and we could have used him as a surrogate to follow through. But instead, Maximus had kind of a revolving door of those mm-hmm. kind of characters. This guy is just kind of one that popped up and went. So, yeah, it just never, they never really did much with him. Like, right. he was just there when they needed either a misdirect or like an, ero- an ironic, um, what's the word I'm looking for? When you, uh, when you tilt your hat to something that's to come in a, in a book. What's that literary term? <laughs> foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing. I got there, Jordan. But, but you, you make a point. It's a good point. They bring a lot of characters into this. There's more characters than you'd almost realize if you start going through it, but a lot of them are just as soundboards for your main five, six characters just to kind of talk to and just to sort of progress the plot. But you could have you could have combined a few of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like old, old, terrible actor Beard Boy who gets his throat cut, you could have just given some of that dialogue to a psychic boy. Yeah, why not? 
Absolutely. Because his little uh, his little coup went nowhere. So there's no point of it. Just another guy who could die, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Trident, Black Bolt, Karnak, and Gorgon. They all get back together in the control room. They're looking at the failsafe. They realize this failsafe sucks. Max, they literally say, like, Maximus isn't very tech savvy, is he? Uh, essentially, the failsafe is going to collapse the dome either way. Like, there's no stopping it. Like, the right. dome is going to collapse. They really do need to do this evacuation period. And uh, they basically have to come up with a way. I think that what they do is they say they've, they 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 touch the control system. They're like, all right, we're in the comms thing. We'll be able to project us onto the side of the dome now. And Black Bolt meets up with Medusa. They use the comm system to uh, make a big speech to all the people of Adelan, basically saying, hey, listen, we're sorry. We ignored all your pleas not to have a cast system on the moon. But you got to understand and you got to believe us. It was all for your own good. Like they basically like it's yeah. the funniest speech where they're just like, listen, we understand you're mad at us, but you got to believe us. We everything we did was for you. And, and again, it's it's another missed opportunity because this could have been not that they had seated at all, but this could have been seen where they went. We've realized that we're complicit in a lot of this. We allowed this system to happen. We allowed this person they, to take they over. They kind of do that, but they also but backpedal they, they, they too. They backpedal because they don't. They're so scared of having their main characters have any flaws. Yeah, they do backpedal, and, and they promise they're going to do better. But um, basically, like, hey, everybody, dome collapsing. We got to yeah. get out of here. Yeah, and so that basically starts a big rush to escape. Um, there's a weird scene here where. Karnak chases down Gorgon and is like, Gorgon, I don't want you to kill yourself on the moon by staying here. Will you come with me and we'll try to make you better? And I was, and Gorgon's like, okay. And I was just like, wait, was that a threat? Like it popped up out of nowhere. I'm like, yeah, because suddenly just Gorgon just left and he just knew that he wanted to die. Yeah, I was because. just like, I was like, was this, I mean, I, obviously we hadn't dealt with the idea that Gorgon's come back and he's not fully there, but the idea that like, Karnak needed to talk him off a ledge. I'm like, well, you guys didn't set that up at all. Yeah, and I like later on too the other characters like, Gor- um, just like um, how every time a character sees Medusa, they have to have a scene where she goes, "Yes, I know, I got my hair cut." There's at least four times in this episode where Gorgon comes back and they go, "Gorgon, you're back, you're back." And Karnak goes, "Yeah, sorry, I had to bring Gorgon back." And they're like, "Oh, you shouldn't have done that." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll deal with it later." They had that that conversation at least four times. It is a, it is the thing they really feel like anytime the characters get together, they have to like catch each other up. Yeah, exactly. Even though the audience already knows all of it, the royal family all gets back together in the throne room. Black Bolt's like, "Everybody go, jump with on with Lockjaw and head back to Earth. I'm gonna stay because I've got to still deal with Maximus." And everyone kind of just evacuates the moon with Lockjaw, and we basically get to see kind of Ma- Maximus has lost control. Black Bolt tracks him down and. Um, they have sort of a confrontation and, and Black Bolt's kind of, it's unclear. Black Bolt seems to be there to save him or something. And Maximus is like, you know, I can't be saved. And he, he does the final big reveal of the series. Oh, what a reveal. In that he jumps back to a flashback and we know that Black Bolt killed his, fa- his mother and father by saying why. But we don't want him to be a bad character. So we're going to have to pull it back a little bit. And it has to be someone else's fault. Yeah. So what we find out is teenage Maximus. He found a letter from the genetic council who was recommending that maybe they do brain surgery on Black Bolt to help relieve his the fact that he has a destructive voice, which a is not a bad idea, and not I don't even think is that offensive. Like I'm just like yeah, that's a pretty reasonable. Proposal. We we maybe want a way to be able to control this horribly unstable power. Well, and maybe Black Bolt would like to live a regular life. Like yeah. I, none of it seems crazy to me. But what he did is on this like. A holographic tablet he put like the royal seal on it and then he showed it to black bolt teenage black bolt was like look mom and dad have agreed to let you have brain surgery 
And that's why Black Bolt stormed off to find his parents. And he's waving the letter around and he asks them why. That's but, what he's but, referring but to. But this is the thing. is like he still knew by saying why. He was going to kill them. He's going to kill them. And he could have easily just showed them the piece of paper. It's the same as asking why. Like, there yeah. was no reason for him. To, like, I still feel like even though Maximus incidentally set up this incident, a Black Bolt still killed his family yes. through sheer callousness. Yes, but it's, it's just that funny thing that the writers think in 2017 that you can't have characters with shades of gray and conflicted characters and characters that are, have made a mistake. Have made a mistake. So they're just like... Okay, I know we set up that Black Bolt has some problems, but it's really this guy's fault. It's really it's like, his not really. Black Bolt. It's not like, really. It's true. It's like not specifically. He there's really a you think Black Bolt would be excited about a way he'd be able to like r- talk to people again, not like furious with his parents for that thing. But uh, anyway, that's the big reveal. It's all Maximus's fault. Black Bolt's innocent of all charges, yeah. everyone. And basically, Maximus is like, all right, now that you know the truth, kill me. Just kill me. And then Black Bolt just punches him in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have a real close up to his mouth and you're like, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to blow his head off with his voice. But now he just punches him in the face. Black Bolt drags him down to the royal bunker and he's basically like, hey, here's the deal. I can't kill you, but uh, I'm going to leave you in the moon bunker because it's going to survive the collapse of the city. And you're going to live in this moon bunker for the rest of your life. Yeah. And uh, that's a lot crueler than killing him, I think. Yeah. Well, he does have enough food uh, to serve him indefinitely. But I mean, it's like, I'm going to bury you alive. You can't die. I'm just going to bury you alive. He's like, because I can't kill you. I'm like, this is yeah. this is an Edgar Allan Poe story. Well, I'll tell you what's what's worse about the bunker. I don't know if you noticed, but the bunker, you do see shelves and shelves of like food and there's clearly yeah, other yeah, yeah. rooms. It's a pretty big area. The lights keep flickering. Like they never stop flickering. And I was like, Oh, like for the rest of his life, he's going to be with these flickering lights. Just someone change the light. Well, I actually thought it's because it's, you know what that is, though? The light's flickering because the power in the city's going out. So when the city collapses, oh, you're right. he's just going to be in pitch black darkness. Right, because there's no windows. There's, it's, he's underground. I also was watching the lights flicker. I'm just like, this really is, you're damning him to a fate worse than death. It's like the old uh, um, foreshadow. It's like old Twilight Zone. He's, he, like they should have just had that Maximus just really wanted peace and quiet the whole time, and then he finally gets it. Well, end. I mean, and then it, he's sitting in dark. Well, this is it. Uh, Black Bolt leaves. He locks the door on him, and Maximus is like, "This is what the second kick meant. I'm the king of the moon." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, we get it. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't work." But it is nice That's, that kid screwed you. It is nice for Ashton Mount though, because he he leaves the bunker, walks out of the yeah. building it's in, and Ashton Mount finally gets to say the first two words he said in the entire. Can you imagine that? These are the first two words he said the entire series. Yeah. He turns around, looks at the building and says, goodbye, brother. And his super voice like trashes, like collapses yeah. the building on itself. Yeah. Wouldn't it be better if he said that right to his face and blew his head up? I mean, it would have been fun to watch him's head explode. Yeah. I'm never going to say no to a head explosion. But also, he can't get out of that bunker. So like, why even smash the wall? Well, the whole thing's like... going to collapse anyway when the dome comes down. That's what I mean. So it's like, all right. I think he just wanted to actually say goodbye to his brother. Like, I actually think that was right. just him saying goodbye, brother. And, you know, Ashton Matt was like, Two words. Those are my contract. Right. I say two words a season. <laughs> Maximus runs through the collapsing city and he uh, he gets to old uh, Wallman. And Wallman's falling apart. And Wallman's like, hey, I'm going to die here because you guys didn't come up with a plan to get me off the moon. But I, know. Uh, I still got two minutes. So just jump into my chest and I'll get you to Earth. It wasn't a real uh, a shame, though, that we didn't get to learn more about the moon and see more fun things like this. Like the guy who's a wall is cool. Like there's so many other things you could have had that are weird and, and science fiction-y and, and uh, out of this world, but they just, you don't, you just have these 
boring, stupid-looking sets with someone sitting in a throne with really, really bad-looking statues on the side. And it's like, do weird things. Why not? Yeah, it's true. We never get any geography of the moon. We never get a sense of the city. It's And then it's gone. It's like wiped out at the end of this episode, yeah. basically. And uh, actually, as we see, as the city collapses, um, we see the throne room one last time. And it starts to glow. I know. Why? I'm assuming it has something to do with whatever space thing. It's just, it's such a lame tease. I'm like, I, it's like, oh, it glows, but we're never going to know why. And also, who cares? I guess that's it. They could have, they should have had a few more, just a little more information about what it means. Like, what is going to happen now that this is happening? Don't make me wait till next season. Yeah. Not just because this obviously you'd never got another season, but just like, just tell me. Just tell me what's coming. Yeah. Like, make, yeah. Let, make me be excited. Like, give me something to hold on to. Because right now, you're just being like, something's out there. Wink, wink. But I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. And also, the image of a chair glowing. slightly glowing is is evocative of nothing. I mean, the, all I could think was, I'm like, I guess the next season, they'll tell us that it was a cloaking device in the throne that, like, hid earth but now the the adeline i, I like, think i think it was the chair wasn't it was the bad guy the whole time the chair was the bad guy <laughs> the whole time the chair was what made maximus yeah, crazy exactly we uh we hop down to the moon from the moon sorry to earth all the inhumans are there black bolt the whole gang's there they're standing in a big field and by the way much less than 1400 people much less than people. so i don't i don't think they got everyone thousand forty thousand yeah yeah there looks like there's maybe 200 maybe maybe, maybe a thousand maybe, maybe a thousand. oh i don't even think so Maybe 200 at best. But they're all standing in a field. They're all behind a really big wall. Yeah. It's it's the Hawaii wall or Californian wall. <laughs> I don't know where we are. Yeah, I think we're in Hawaii. We're in Hawaii. I, I, I'm guessing we're in Hawaii, but maybe we're in California. Uh, Medusa gives a big speech to them all about how they're living on Earth. And like, this is our new lives now. We're all going to live on Earth. And that from her big speech, the camera pans up and shows us the moon one last time. Mm-hmm. And that's it. What a journey. <laughs> Well, it was, it just was such a bummer. Not that I was that invested in the show because it went out of its way to make sure the viewer's not invested, but the whole point of the show is rendered pointless. They went down to the moon, went, went, sorry, went from the moon down to earth, back up to the moon, just to go back down there. It's just like, what, what, what's the point of any of this? Like, it's just nothing. It was all just a setup. For another season you're never going to get but no one would have been even if they had they knew they were going to do two seasons no one would watch the second season it's just pointless yeah i mean at the end of the day for everything that happened it really feels like you know it should have been first episode maximus takes over the moon the people at Adeline have to flee because they they don't want to come on come on board with him they all end up having to move to earth and like set up a weird kingdom there and become exposed to humanity and then Maximus is like running schemes from the moon. Like mm-hmm. that's the pilot. That's what it feels like we just got. Like we just yeah. got the end of like, it's like, all right, now how are these people going to like adjust to living in Hawaii? And like, what's Maximus going to do now up on the moon? Now you have these uh, characters in situations they don't know how to react. There's going to be stories there as opposed to the story they told that there's no way they thought this was the most interesting story. I mean, it's, it is weird. It definitely feels, you know, we've said it a million times. Like it feels like a pilot it feels like we just kept watching a pilot unendingly and it feels like we got to the end of a pilot and i'm just like some problems but like i i if this was just one episode i'd be like yeah let's see what yeah. episode two is about but i think it's a, it's an extended pilot that the writers proved time and time again that they didn't care about these characters 
I don't I, I I don't think they cared about what the story was. And I don't think they cared about the characters because did we learn anything from minute one no. to the last minute about the, the very, very surface level uh, I, motivations? I, I, but I, the, none of the characters went on any journeys. We didn't learn anything about them. None of them changed. Nothing. I still think this was this was probably it's got to be the case. This is Rustin production because I feel like. They somewhere, somewhere along the way, some studio head or whoever came up with was like, I'm going to do a human show. He's like, this is the first season. Maximus takes over the moon and then all the inhumans end up on Earth. And they're like, that that's it. Like, they're like, OK, I guess we'll try to stretch that out for eight episodes because everything is just them stretching it out. Like they just yeah. they're like, we just got to like put another minor hurdle in the way. Well, stretch yeah, it up, exactly. Stretch minor it out. hurdle. What if they get separated Then they have to find each other? But. Does anything really get in their way? No, no, they get back together. Well, we still have to get separated. Like we gotta, we gotta get up to the moon again and put them back on. Like so, like how do we keep them from getting back to the moon? There's no reason they can't do so. Like let's separate them. It's like oh, one of them falls in love and then the other one. Like you know, it was just it felt like they had like it was just like they were given so little to work with and they're like expand it to eight hours and they're like I I can't like I don't have time like I think that's what it's just like. What if one of them I don't know gets caught on a ganja farm for a couple minutes? I think I I don't know. I just I feel like it's all just about no time it was just like yeah just just make something but like make it fast make it cheap and make it in the next two weeks and and it has you're right all the signs of that it doesn't look good it's it looks like it was filmed real quick the actors seem confused and you know at best just trying to get through the dialogue it just is it ends up just being a really really sloppy show and I'll be honest, I don't know if there was a great show in here anywhere. Maybe. Maybe if you went really, really weird sci-fi. Or I, maybe I, if you, you took it uber serious like I think they sometimes want it to be. But as this is now, I don't know how you could have saved this thing. No, there's no saving this, I don't think. I, I mean, I, I don't know the Inhumans that well, the, the source material. Maybe there's probably something in there. For, someone could probably turn it into something. But like, I don't think anything that was the seed of this show, there was nothing there. Yeah. I read something about Iron Fist. They called that the first filler season. It was just like like a filler episode in a series or something where you just had to have an episode. Someone wrote, I read an article about it being like, this feels like a filler season just to get them to the the one where all the superheroes got together on right. Netflix, right? That someone just were like, we need to do it in order to get to the next part. And, I, you know, and that's what this feels like too. It's like, we need to do this so we can do something else just just make it exist yeah and i and i think they thought it's just going to be fine because marvel is so popular right now and these things are all home runs it will be fine and it's i'm sure the people involved knew how bad it looked and knew how boring the episodes were and i'm sure after when they had to air this as an IMAX, they knew it was not going to go well. But what are you going to do? This well, is the show you have. They were committed to it, and it just yeah. you, you had to you had to do it. I mean, yeah, I, I I would be surprised to hear that anyone who was involved wasn't like at least vaguely aware of like I don't think this is working. Very unfortunate. I'm sure you'll agree. I do. So do you want to rate these and wrap up the season? Let's do it. Jordan, what do you want to give Havoc in the Hidden Land? I'm actually going to give this one of the higher reviews. <laughs> Sorry, higher higher ratings than I've given recently. I'm going to give it a five and a half, five and a half out of ten, so five point five, only because it felt like finally in episode seven things were starting to happen. Now this is not a good episode of TV, but by this show's standards, stuff happens. So five and a half. Five and a half. I I just I don't disagree with you in the premise. I, um, 
it did feel like momentum suddenly happened and there was yeah. some, and it was like, all right, at least we're doing something now. I think I'm still going to give it a four. I, I just don't know if it, you're not wrong. It's like, it's still, it's bad. And it's hard to rank these higher than what I think you and I are giving simply because it's like fatigue is set in. You're like, even if the episode is not even that bad, it's just like, but they've all just been bleh, the I, whole time, you know, I, I, I wonder too. when I even just like thinking back on the scores, I'm like, I, I, Let's do the last one and we can talk about yeah. it. What, what do you want to give finally Black Bolt? Um, it's about the same for me. Stuff kind of started happening. You're right. There was a little bit of momentum, but it's just disappointing. I'm going to give it a five. Five. I think I'm going to go. I'm definitely going to go lower too. I was really just annoyed by a lot of just like the teases to next season that didn't go anywhere. So I'm going to give it a three. So Jordan, do you want to know what that gives the series as a final uh, final rating? Yeah, I think it's it's going to be in the mid to high fours. You're not wrong. It's uh it's coming out according to the continuing drag computer at four point nine four. Yeah, and I I'm surprised. I think if I were to have watched this whole thing and then given a rating at the end, it would be lower than that. I agree with you. There's something about I think individually. I it's because we were able to stretch it out. And I think I think you're right. if we had watched this in eight weeks as opposed to four weeks, it would have even be a slightly higher. But if we had watched this, can you imagine watching this as one eight hour movie? This would be like a two. Yeah, which is what it is. Well, that's what I think. I'm like, I, would I recommend it to someone? I'm like, you'd have to be a real Marvel completist. I think yeah. for me to tell you to like even think about sitting down. It's it's just not good. It, there's moments where you're like, you could almost squint hard enough and think something good might happen, but it just it wears on you every every new episode just wears you down. Well, that's the thing. It it would be weird. It would be something if it was a little bit odd, but never really gelled as like a cohesive whole. And maybe you know it had some enrapturing moments, some excitement. But this doesn't have anything. Like, can you think of any exciting moments? Not really. So what you what you end up with is something that's just dull and boring. And it's not the worst thing you've ever seen. But I would much rather see this show be a compelling mess. Yeah, than what we got. That's I guess that's it. It, it it's not even enough of a mess to be yeah, interesting. Exactly. It's not like you're like, what is happening? This doesn't make any sense. Why is this happening? And it's like, no, it's just people walk around talking, repeating the same thing, repeating things to the characters. The the viewers already seen ten times, but they have to put it in again. And you're just like, oh, is this taking forever to get nowhere? Yeah. I mean, that's basically it takes you forever to get to like the start of an idea. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it. I think that wraps it up for Inhumans. Mm. You can email us at continuedrag at gmail.com if you have any last insights into Inhumans. And uh, of course, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter where we'll have um, some stuff from the show. I mean, moon collapsing, maybe Black Bolt saying some stuff. Yeah, them just saying parlay over and over. Like that, <laughs> you imagine? That, that cheap briefcase effect. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you'll probably find some of that stuff on our social media there. But uh, listener, thank you so much for joining us on our journey through the inhumans our journey to the moon and back and again and again back and forth back and forth yeah, i'm still glad i watched it i mean it was something it was something i think indiv- it's this thing individually i'm like it's not terrible but when i think about it as a whole i'm like ah, i'm so mad <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and i hope that's how every person listening feels <laughs> certainly anyone who had to watch it feels that way yeah all right uh well jordan thanks for doing this again this week and i'll see you next week see you then Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks 
to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard.